0: motels the resorts the guides to give us a better idea of where people are going what they're doing what they're finding outdoors Well, pat what's cooking outdoors this week
1: thanks doug warm days will help warm water temperatures but some of our cool nights aren't cooperating as much so while anglers are trying devil's lake walleye success remains slow and limited the better success seems to be in shallower water perhaps trying along the west side of devil's lake however on a bright note A few more white bass are showing up. Nothing furious by any means, but occasionally one's showing up, so that's encouraging. It's really a matter of consistent weather to warm water temperatures and days when it's not blowing so hard, and fishing should start to improve overall. Plus, when walleye get out of their post-spawn lull. Reports are also limited from Jamestown and Pipestem Reservoirs as well as Spiritwood Lake. Look for a little walleye and bass activity in the upper end of Lake Ashtabula around Sibley, the bridges, and even the fader creeks if they have any water. Work shallow and four to eight feet with jigs and minnows. Lake Ashtabula itself remains below its normal spring elevation, which could be a common theme among lakes this summer. Out west, a lot of anglers continue working the Missouri River south of Bismarck-Mandan but the bigger fish are now coming farther north from boats. Also try shore fishing around the Hesket plant at night, casting crankbaits or using floaters with minnows or night crawlers. The tail race, however, remains slow for walleye from both boat and shore, but the wells are offering little activity, so at least that's something. And look for some pike from shore as well. Up on Lake Sakakwea, the east end slowed for walleye, probably spawn-related. But the intriguing thing is anglers are finding three to five-pound salmon along the pumping plant on the west side of the U.S. Highway 83 embankment. That's on the east end of the Sakakawea. Walleye slowed from that area, but it seems the salmon have found it now. Try further west around Douglas Bay on the north shore or Beulah and Beaver Bays on the south shore for walleye, though. And the Lake Sakakawea midsection is also still slow for walleye, and again, we can probably blame that post-spawn lull. Turkey hunting reports are also light, but it seems the birds are still a little uncooperative. And just a reminder, the light goose conservation order this spring season ends May 10th, and turkey season closes May 16th.
0: Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Scotty Brewer, Kyle Agri, Brewer Agri
2: Outdoors, and we're going to chat with an old buddy of ours, one that we haven't really chatted with for a couple of years, so I'm pretty excited to get him on the show, Mr. Brian Brosdahl. You know him as Bro. Everybody in the fishing industry knows him as Bro. He runs Bro's Guide Service, and he is uh, basically what we would call would be an industry expert. How are you doing, Brian?
3: Hey, doing great. Good to talk to you, Kyle and Scotty.
2: So one of the things, reason why we want to get you on is because we know you are very good with sonar technology. You've been on the forefront of helping develop some of this stuff, and you use this stuff every day as a guide. I'm thinking that you can teach us a few things so that we get the best use out of our sonars. And, you know, we're talking not standard sonars, but down imaging, side imaging. doesn't really matter what brand you use. They probably have it. And none of us really use it to its full potential. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about side imaging first. Why is side imaging so important for the guys that have it and have never used it?
3: Well, side imaging is a way of, uh, you know, in traditional sonar, we're looking straight under our boat. And side imaging is a way to look to the side of the boat. So what happens in that scenario, we're covering more water. If you're looking to the side of your boat 100 feet in one direction, 100 feet in another direction, you're covering 200 feet plus, you know, and uh, if if you're, you know, side imaging also can pick off stuff that's off the bottom, whether it's weeds or rocks, but you could also see fish. And is it like a photograph? It's not like a photograph. What it's like is like seeing a, a an arc on your sonar, you can translate it as fish and de- depending on the color of the arc, you can, you can de- determine how big it is. And if the fish is really solid and has a, has red in the arc or yellow or however you set your color palette, you know that it's a good one. But to side imaging, you know by the shadows. I mean, if you're, if you're on Rainy River and you got side imaging on, you'll see sturgeon and they'll be so clear, you'll, you'll see their, their shape of their body, their their skinny little tail, their nose, their little whiskers, just about if they're really big, sturgy you can see everything. But it's all how you how the beam hits it. So the transducer shoots from the side. So there's uh you know designated uh, ingredients, you know crystals and stuff like that in different ingredients in the transducer that shoot to the side. But this same transducer could also be in in a uh, regular sonar. So sonar now going to side imaging also down imaging was in between the two basically is sonar but instead of having a broad brush stroke, is more of a realist thing if you go over fish with a sonar and it's a big arc and you go down imaging it might be a small arc but you'll see the shape of the fish and if you're going over a drop off down imaging shows up better why because the beams are closer together so it gives you real detail but it doesn't give you You can't do it real fast. It'll fade out. That's not the right technology. But side imaging, you can actually use it at a a fairly good clip, three to seven miles an hour. And what you'll see is if you're crappie fishing, you'll see little white dashes. But the dashes are kind of not super detailed, but the shadows are. So you'll see a dash, and then you'll see a shadow that's round, got a slightly pointed nose, so you know it's not a bluegill because bluegills have a flat face. And then you'll see the tail. My goodness, that's a crappie. And then it'll look like buckshot on your screen if you got a bunch of them in a, in a circle sitting there. But the unique thing about side imaging is, in, and I've been watching it as it's been going And I've been using it from the beginnings where you could make out rocks, but not see weeds super good. Uh, but it's always been good on structure. And then, then all of a sudden the weeds are real good and I'm oh, wow, I, I think I've just seen some fish. And. And I've always used it for for shadows, but the fish weren't as detailed as now. And I use uh, Humminbird Helix, but all, all the electronics brands has have side imaging technology. But and it's all based on the same theory: the beam shoots to the side. You set how far you want your beam. So if you want to use your beam, if you want to go out 150 feet, you know, and your screen in front of you is 10 inches wide, 150 feet on each side of the screen, the fish are going to be like dust. But if you go smaller, I, I set mine at 70 feet all the time because I want to see pretty far, but I want to also have the fish show up as big. So pieces of rice, white dashes are actually the walleyes and their shadows will be the same, but you'll, you could zoom in also. So remember all electronics usually have zoom features. You could zoom in to really and look at it. So it stops the screen. You scroll over, you hit plus plus, and it zooms in. Uh, wherever you're fishing, uh, Lake, Lake Oahi, if you're fishing on Leech Lake, you can look for these fish and, uh, and see them, especially in the flats. And there's no better lake than, than Oahi or Leech. And I wish I had it when I was on Oahi because the, those little shelves that hold all those perfect walleye, they would stick out like a sore thumb. And, and it's, it's nice too because you can approach them without spooking them. And some lakes are really clear. Some lakes are dirty. In dirty lakes, I, I'll snap jig in eight, nine feet of water straight underneath my boat. In clear lakes, when your boat goes through, the fish move to the side. For instance, uh, Otter Tail Lake, a lake that I fish every now and then, that's really good for walleye. I mean, probably has one of the highest test nets in all of Minnesota. It's got zebra mussels and it's in the fourth year, I'm, I'm, I think third or fourth year, but the water's super clear and it was dirty before. So you could kind of get close to the fish and whatever. But now I'm, when you get lakes like that where the walleys are in shock, cause when zebra mussels first come, they kind of in the shock mode where they're trying to figure out what to do. They run away from boats. And if you hound them too much, they leave the spot altogether and they just, and then if you keep finding them, they'll just keep leaving you. So the real trick is not to scare them. And side imaging comes into play. So if the walleyes are 50, 70 feet away, uh, you could see them and then react on it and either pitch a jig or drift with the wind or use your uh, front trolling motor. I'll, I'll take my Altera and I'll hit spot lock or I'll troll around them and I'll pepper that spot, casting past and bringing the bait in ever so slightly and just hammer the fish
2: that is so insightful in terms of how this new technology works. I mean, from from point A to actually attacking the fish. And I, I can think back, and I think it was that jump from flasher technology to what we consider the old, you know, standard sonar. And you, you look at this, the, the new technology of today, and, and I b- really believe that you've got the early adopters that have jumped over and, and embraced it. But for a lot of anglers, it's intimidating. What is your recommendation oh. in terms of how... How do they make that jump? How do they start?
3: Well, what, I, what I'd have the angler do is when you're on vacation or if you're going to go fishing, at least if you're going to be out there eight hours, spend two of it and don't turn off side imaging when you're looking for fish or looking for spots. Leave it on. And if and if you're a little bit nervous about it, then uh, if you got two screens, do sooner. Or you could split screen it. Like the hummingbird. I could have four different things going on. But I want my side imaging as and uh go through there and and test it try 40 feet to see what stuff looks like look at stuff you've seen before and then go where you might see some fish and don't you don't have to find walleye to look at side imaging look at look at uh, old cabbage beds look at rock piles Then when you're going through look at bass where you, where there's smallies or where there's panfish and uh and look at it and once you get used to it you'll be able to slow down uh you can actually scroll over here's Remember when they are going to outlaw cameras, uh, this show almost should almost be outlawed. You could scroll and put an icon on a fish that you haven't passed over. And uh, so that's how detailed it is. And it, it allows you to see the fish and, and keep in a comfortable distance. So put it on for 20% of your day, and I guarantee you, you'll be using it 80% uh, once you get used to it. And yeah. Something
2: else I recommend, too, Brian, is I know you have a lot of videos out there, um, and I think if people could maybe watch a little video, a little tutorial of something that you've done, that would help them a lot before they even turn it on. But, you know, the point is if you have this technology in your boat, go out and use it because it doesn't do you any good if you don't use it, and if you do use it, it will do you a lot of good. Brian, uh, how how can people find you? How can they find some of your videos and that kind of stuff?
3: Uh, just go to uh, Just go to Brian Brosdell on uh, if you want to go to Facebook, uh, and you'll you'll see all my different pages. And I'm I'm throughout the, their Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, um, the whole uh, uh, nine yards. And I, I have some new videos coming out. It's gonna it's gonna be about another week, but it's gonna be all about uh, using your your depth finder. In today's situation, so look for it, and uh, I'd love to help everybody learn to fish.
0: Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, Make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.